Good morning, this is Dr. Dan Guerra, and you're listening to Authentic Biochemistry Podcast. Today is the 21st of March. That means the first day of spring, 2023. So let's get started and get into our further discussions of the malic enzyme. So the experiment was conducted using heavy isotope C13NMR. That's nuclear magnetic resonance. It's a technique that's used when you want to look at individual distribution of specific atoms in a molecule. <coughs> from that from that analysis, we can determine patterns of what are known as uh, known uh, in the distribution field for this kind of spectrometry as isotopomers. So an isotopomer is a specific molecular species of compound (coughs) that will have a distribution of various isotopes of the same atom according to how that particular molecular species was derived during cellular metabolism. So for example, if you run pyruvate and you use a, uh, for example, starting with uniformly labeled C613 glucose, <coughs> obviously all of the carbon atoms in the pyruvate are going to have C13 enrichment. So if the pyruvate is run through pyruvate dehydrogenase, once glycolysis is finished, you're going to get 80% of that carbon <coughs> coming from <coughs> C13, C13 glucose and the other 20, uh, 20% from uh, regular C12. Remember that pyruvate dehydrogenase is a decarboxylating enzyme. So you're going to be taking three carbons down to two. So that's how that uh, you can look at that isotopomer and you'll know that that acetyl-CoA came directly from pyruvate Now, if you're running pyruvate through the pyruvate carboxylase pathway, you're going to get some endogenous C12. You're going to get some C13 enrichment via pyruvate cycling, and I'll explain that in a minute. But you also might get some C13 directly from glucose. So if you look at the pyruvic carboxylase reaction, <clears throat> the idea here is that pyruvate would be converted to OAA, OAA to malate, malate, and then via the malic enzyme back to pyruvate. So that's the kind of cycling that would be necessary to drive that reaction. Because the majority of the pyruvate is going to be metabolized to acetyl-CoA in the conditions they used. <clears throat> now, what I'm trying to explain to you is you can look at distribution using NMR of very specific, again, isotopomers by C13 NMR to determine where each of the compounds of the TCA cycle as well as cytoplasmic intermediates from glycolysis. So, <coughs> excuse me. So, 
Extraction of also glutamic acid will let you know how much carbon goes from pyruvate to acetyl-CoA, ultimately to citrate in the mitochondria, citrate to alpha-ketoglutarate, alpha-ketoglutarate to glutamate via transamination reactions, and then looking for the distribution of C13 and glutamate. <laughs> so... What they have determined, what they determined then, was that pyruvate dehydrogenase in this system was actually the sole pathway for pyruvate enrichment to alpha ketoglutarate and glutamate, because you get about 20% of unlabeled endogenous substrate. It's always going to occur. That's the C12. So when PDH and pyruvate carboxylase flux contribute equally, remember that's the synthesis of OAA, um, and that would be entering in the TCA cycle, and uh, ultimately <coughs> uh, being those two uh, products would be condensed to citrate. You're going to get a, um, a different glutamate isotopomer population because of the introduction of the pyruvate carboxylase. So for example, carboxylation of pyruvate by PC, that is the carboxylase, will lead to the loss of enrichment of the C1 position for C13, and a huge increase in the isotopomer population detected in the multiplet. So that's a different way of describing that if you look at where the carbon enters and then you look at its metabolism through the various potential enzymatic routes, you can detect which of those pathways are being utilized at a higher or lower ratio than the other. This is exactly what they found. So as it turns out, all the carbon that came from uniformly labeled C6, <coughs> C13 glucose ended up going through PDH, PDH making acetyl-CoA. Whatever pyruvate existed came from, that had any C13, came from after a cycling through that reaction. So not the initial pyruvate dehydrogenase functioning on pyruvate coming from C13 labeled glucose, but all of it going to acetyl-CoA. Acetyl-CoA then combining with OAA that had variably C13 enrichment via the PC pyruvate cycling. Now, let me explain that because I've been saying it to you. <coughs> PC pyruvate <coughs> cycling <coughs> would mean pyruvate would come from the initial pyruvate that would come through the PC reaction would come from Acetyl-CoA combining with OAA, citrate to alpha-ketoglutarate, to succinate, to fumarate, to malate. That malate then leaving the mitochondrion and going through the malate um, malic enzyme to generate pyruvate in the cytosol. What you will see then are the according to the isotopomer analysis is that all that carbon came from that cycling through the TCA. Once that occurs, then you'll start picking up C12 carbon, of course, 
And the more you run through that pathway, and that could go then, if you do run pyruvate carboxylase, you'll make OA directly. And some of the OA can be converted to malate via the malate dehydrogenase. And some of that malate can leave the mitochondrion and then uh, convert it to pyruvate. And of course, NADPH, uh, uh, NADP being uh, reduced. Um, and so you understand how this functions. And that basically told us something um, very significant about cancer cells. Cancer cells move a lot of carbon through pyruvate Now, remember the last time we had a lecture, I was explaining to you that the pyruvate can be slowed down via the pyruvate kinase reactions, which means a slowing down of that flux <laughs> will increase the amount of intermediates in the glycolytic pathway, which would allow for those intermediates, including glucose-6-phosphate, of fructose 6-phosphate to enter the oxidative pentose phosphate shunt. Remember, that is a source of an ADPH, particularly when it's introduced at the glucose 6-phosphate level because of the first initial dehydrogenase making ADPH. Now, that doesn't seem to be the case here. In fact, it seems like most of the NADPH is necessary to drive reductive biosynthesis for rapid cell division in cancer cells is actually coming from pyruvate synthesized from glycolysis directly to acetyl-CoA, and then the endogenous OAA condensing with acetyl-CoA, running through the TCA cycle of mitochondria, going to malate, malate then leaving the mitochondria, and going through the malic enzyme to make NADPH for productive biosynthesis, <coughs> and recycling that pyruvate which can now be de but now be carboxylated as well as go through the decarboxylating oxidative pyruvate dehydrogenase reaction. See how that's how it gets diluted, the C13. Okay. Now, I want to also draw your attention to another phenomenon, and we've talked about it recently as well. Glucose-stimulated insulin secretion. Now, you know that's absolutely essential for metabolic homeostasis. This is what controls insulin secretion in beta cell of the pancreas. <clears throat> Anytime that that signaling gets corrupted, there's going to be a failure of insulin-dependent glucose uptake. When you have a failure of insulin-dependent glucose uptake, and you postprandially have high enough glucose levels, you can start entering the prodromal phases of type 2 di uh, diabetes, okay, which is common in the obese. Now, <clears throat> glucose exerts its effects on insulin secretion via its metabolism in beta cells. And of course, that means that glucose directly isn't doing this, only indirectly controlling insulin secretion. And what happens here, now again, I talked about this two lectures ago. I'm just reminding you, really, now I'm giving you all the detail. <coughs> You're going to get an increase in the ratio of ATP to ADP. Now that's cytoplasmic. And when you get an increase in that ratio, there's going to be a suppression of the ATP-sensitive 
potassium ATP channel, voltage-gated channel. That activates the voltage-gated calcium channels. And that ultimately yields insulin granule exocytosis. So really it's the ratio of ATP to ADP that drives ultimately beta cell insulin secretion. Now, the potassium ATP channel dependent mechanism in glucose stimulant insulin secretion is probably the most important pathway for that vital hormonal introduction into the bloodstream. But over the years, and we've been studying this for over 30 years, that the pathway I just described to you, it's been shown that there are other pathways involved. Now, you know where I'm going to be leading to. One of the major pathways is moving through the malic enzyme. That's correct. So let me explain to you what's going on here. It appears that, just like we were describing to you that isotopomer paper about describing pyruvate moving through various metabolic sequelae, yielding up a specific isotopomer signature that showed us in cancer cells, pyruvate dehydrogenase dominated. In obesity, what occurs is that pyruvate, again, converted to acetyl-CoA via that pyruvate dehydrogenase, but in the diabetic, far more of the pyruvate in the beta cell, and this is in the mitochondria of the beta cell, it's in the cancer cell, it's the beta cell of the pancreas. <clears throat> Here, the flux is different. Here, there's far more pyruvate to OAA. That is the pyruvate carboxylase reaction. Now, that means the TCA cycle is relatively in quiescence in the activated beta cell. Because what occurs, and this is according to the experiments that have been conducted, I'm just giving you a review of the results. <coughs> Pyruvic converted to OAA, OAA then to malate via the mitochondrial malate dehydrogenase. That's going to now drive NAD synthesis, right? Malate will then leave the mitochondrion, this is one route for it, through the dicarboxylic acid um, co-transporter. Malate leaves, goes into the cytosol, and there is metabolized by the malic enzyme, generating NADPH to pyruvate. That pyruvate then recycles back into the mitochondrion. But besides that pathway, <coughs> malate coming from pyruvate to OIA to malate in the mitochondrion will also react with the mitochondrial malic enzyme. Now, remember, one of the forms, and this is the one we're talking about, the mitochondrial specific form of a malic enzyme doesn't use NADP, it uses NAD. So it is still decarboxylating and it'll convert pyruvate in the mitochondrion, but it'll generate NADH. So you see that increase in NADH is what prevents the malate dehydrogenase mitochondrial to drive towards OAA synthesis condensation with acetyl-CoA 
and driving the TCA cycle around to the rest of the dehydrogenase uh, repertoire. You understand? So this malic enzyme in the mitochondrial mat matrix will regenerate pyruvate as well, but also NADH, which again, because of the higher the increases in NADH to NAD ratios in the TCA cycle, will start to inhibit all the dehydrogenases. Right? Exocitrate dehydrogenase, alpha ketoglutarate dehydrogenase, succinate dehydrogenase. And for the malic for the malic uh, malic dehydrogenase, that reaction will be coupled to equivalent amounts of OIA being produced by the pervic of oxalase, right? And what will occur then is that NAD will be available to drive malic uh, acid synthesis. See how that works. And then the malate enzyme will resynthesize NADH to drive pyruvic acid biosynthesis. Same time, cytosolically, you're making NADPH. Okay? So now you understand this whole story, hopefully. And this is where the NADPH becomes really prominent from being synthesized not from driving glycolytic intermediates into deoxyapentose phosphate. No, not in beta cells. <coughs> Rather, from making it directly from malate to pyruvate, that malic enzyme in the cytoplasm, that's the malic enzyme isoform 1, that is NADP dependent. Okay. And that actually drives insulin secretion. So you see, there's a difference between which malic enzyme derivative pathway will function in given cell types. Here we're talking about a healthy beta cell. However, when there's a lack of insulin secretion, which you know this will eventually report to, what you can understand is that pathway I just described to you that was a normal physiological pathway <coughs> will become corrupted. Okay? And when it becomes corrupted, what happens? Rather than getting adequate amounts of insulin secretion, insulin secretion starts to fail in the type 2 diabetic. So first, a lot of hyperinsulinemia because of all the high levels of circulating glucose because of the corruption of fatty acid metabolism in the adipose driving lipoprotein-mediated transfer triglycerol to various tissues around the body, but including back to the liver. That's going to be the major driving component of the initial prodromal phases of type 2 diabetes. But now I'm explaining to you why eventually the beta cells of the pancreas start to shut down secretion of insulin because of this corruption of the malic enzyme and immediate pathway in the beta cell. All right, so more about these malic enzymes. When you talk about <laughs> using the glucose carbon moving through pyruvate in the mitochondria to drive an ADPH production, you can look at that as an anaplerotic substrate cycling, which we always talk about in the TCA cycles uh, purpose, right? Its purpose is to be anaplerotic. That means to take in multiple <coughs> carbon sources from, say, amino acids and carbon even from, say, acetyl-CoA, I mean, acetyl-CoA coming from lactic acid and driving the TCA cycle to generate ATP 
during, for example, hepatic gluconeogenesis. That's <coughs> an anaplerotic event of the TCA cycle. You can get multiple carbon sources, like, for example, amino acids driving through transamination reactions, going in as a, uh, from aspartate to OAA or from glut glutamine glutamate to alpha-ketal glutarate, those are two that you have heard a lot about. Um, let's talk about the anaplerotic pathway in the pancreatic beta cells. So this pyruvate cycling can occur via those multiple complementary pathways. And again, just to reinforce this understanding, cytosolic malic enzyme cycles the malate derived from export of mitochondrial malate or sometimes derived indirectly from the exported citrate that is converted to OAA by the ATP citrate lyase. Yes, we have to remember that. <coughs> That's a lipogenic pathway, right? And some of that is always occurring. None of it is 100%. Now, in the cancer cells, that isotopomer uh, paper seemed to say that just about all the carbon that came from uniformly labeled C6, C13 glucose went through the pyruvate dehydrogenase, but that's only initially, right? So remember, they were when you run NMR, you want to look at initial re rates of reaction. Then you want to look when things become homeostatic. Remember that recycling through PC does occur even in the cancer cell, but that the first flux of glucose <coughs> seems to be driving all of its carbon through the PDH reaction. See? Now, that explains a lot of things about the Varberg effect, if you think about it. I'll let you think about it. I'll test you on it later. How's that? But you know, again, cytosolic malic enzyme will, will take malate derived from the export of mitochondrial malate, either directly from that transport through that carboxylic acid transporter or from citrate. Now, how's it work from citrate? Remember, if, if citrate is synthesized in the mitochondria and there's adequate amount of NADH to block the isocitrate dehydrogenase, <coughs> citrate will build up enough concentration to be uh, reacted via the membrane-associated ATP citrate lyes. The ATP citrate lyes will drive then citrate into the cytosol to be converted to acetyl-CoA, remember, and OAA. But the OAA can be converted to malate via malate dehydrogenase, cytoplasmic form we already talked about. And then ME1, that's right, the malic enzyme one can be can take the malate and convert it to pyruvate. So the pyruvate can now recycle back into the mitochondria. At the same time, any malate is translocated directly from the TCA cycle because of driving OAA synthesis from pyruvate carboxylase, the buildup of pyruvate because of that, that malate can also leave the mitochondria and be used through the same enzyme pathway, ME1. The dry malic, uh, malic acid conversion to pyruvate. So this is how you get this massive pyruvate cycling. Right? So this this is when that was first being examined. This whole they call it substrate cycling, but really it's nothing more than diverting the carbon through the malic enzyme, which again is pyruvate pyruvate synthesizing decarboxylating. So. <clears throat> what that does is several functions. One is to preserve high levels of NADPH production for reductive biosynthesis. And the other is to not generate 
carbon for fatty acid or lipids if it's at a high level, and also not to corrupt normal glucose sparing in the pancreas. This is only a glucose-sensitized, glucose-sensing system. It's not, pancreas isn't supposed to be taking in glucose and storing it as glycogen or converting it to lipids. It's supposed to be using glucose just as a sensor. Hence, you have in the, in the beta cell a cycling phenomenon where it looks like you're doing a lot of uh, endless recycling of carbon, you know, going through pyruvate, but that's not the case at all. Really, what you're doing is you're using, you, you have essentially a sensor measuring the amount of glucose in the blood and then metabolizing that glucose through components of the glycolytic pathway, pyruvatehydrogenase, TCA cycle, but running initially to drive a lot of pyruvic acid synthesis from malic enzymes. So you have adequate amounts of NADPH because remember, you're going to be exocytosing insulin from you know granules. And because of that, you need a lot of energy for ATP. Okay, This is an exocytotic cytotic event and that requires a lot of energy. Get moving all this through the membrane. Okay, so that I think explains a lot about um, glucose sensing in the beta cell and how it utilizes malic enzyme, just like we're talking about the cancer cell, but the NADPH purpose is different because we're not doing reductive biosynthesis cholesterol and fatty acids, for example, not getting ready for cell division, <coughs> for example, the beta cell doesn't go through rapid cell division, but it also explains how this becomes corrupted in obesity-associated type 2 diabetes because of the over overcompensation of this pathway then shutting down insulin secretion ultimately, right? Because, and the destruction, the auto-destruction of the beta cell, right? Because of what? Proteinopathy. That's correct. So now you get a lot more understanding here from pathophysiology. When you study, as we do here in athletic biochemistry, <coughs> intermediary metabolism, right? Now, back to ME in the uh, cancer system. ME1 localizes in the cytosol, and it's a very highly expressed in multiple cancer cell lines where it was first detected. So <clears throat> in the paper we're going to start looking at now, we're going to look at the various malic enzymes in various cancer cells using immunocytochemistry. So in a particular cancer cell population, these are called U2Os, they were transfected now with um, genes for malic enzyme 1, malic enzyme 2, or 3. Now, these are cDNAs, and then when those proteins get expressed in the cell line, <coughs> they're detected with an antibody that will detect in those individual isoforms, okay? And they can stain for that, and they can determine the relative uh, increase in expression of either malic enzymes 1, 2, or 3. And they found, first of all, they use it also to localize that ME1 was in the cytoplasm, and ME2 and ME3 were in the mitochondria. They then did a TACMAN analysis. Now we're again doing PCR, 
and they wanted to look at the expression profile <coughs> of these malic enzymes in various cancer cell lines, right? Because they want to get back into this understanding of whether or not malic enzyme, particularly that cytoplasmic form, should be a target for pharmacotherapy. Right? And what they found was that in most of the cancer cell lines, you had much higher levels of ME1 than ME2 and ME3 combined, right? But some cancer cells switched, and those particular cancer cells had actually higher combined levels of ME2 and ME3, which are both mitochondrial. <coughs> so right away, why do you think, now you know why I brought this up in our lecture. It shows you that even though we understand pretty well that ME1 has been considered a target for uh, chemotherapeutics cancer, or maybe immunotherapeutics and cancer for knocking out specific proteins using the monoclonal antibody approach, as it turns out, not all cancer cells are the same. So, so in some of them, ME2 and ME3 were actually higher, which means those are mitochondrial proteins, okay? So, what we're looking at now is various distribution of these malic enzymes in various cancers. And one of the ways you can look at it is through these different cell lines using knockdowns. And knockdowns are not quite as precise as a knockout or using chemical inhibitors sometimes, which are can be off the mark. But here we're looking at using siRNAs. Okay, small interfering RNAs to specific transcripts for ME1 and ME2. Okay, because ME3 in the paper, this is the same paper we're talking about, dropped out of being 